still efforting to uh, to get some uh, uh, our our final guest. So uh, this is Daniel Workman coming to you live from the Dream Imaginate Sports Studios and uh, our first ever live broadcast for Soccer Works TV. And uh, and part of this is uh, is is bringing in a, a panel of guests to talk through a variety of um, you know topics and uh, a variety of issues. And so we are going to uh, jump right in, and I'm going to to, to bring uh, on board um, a couple guys who who have. Uh, uh, are friends of mine. They work uh, and follow the game. They love the game, and and they they work in various areas that uh, gives them insight to the game. And uh, the, our first two guests on the panel uh, are Nick Webster. He is a Cal South Soccer Association uh, VP of Adults, uh, as well as Brian Coston. And uh, welcome to the show, guys. How are you? Great, thanks for having us, uh, Nick. Uh, uh, absolutely you're out in- wonderful, uh, Daniel. I'm I'm wonderful, but that was the longest opening music I've ever heard. I actually had hair, a full head of hair, <laughs> when the music first came on, and by the time it had finished, I'm completely bald. What can I tell well, you? Let l- Let me let me just say to the audience that that was. Uh, stalling trying to get our our third member of the panelist time to get on and and so far we we're we're having some issues getting him connected and that is chris kessel we're hoping to uh to get him uh at it shortly um but uh in the meantime we're gonna we're gonna jump in uh with uh with the two of you and and that is uh, on this you know hot button issue right now the uh, the situation surrounding the U.S. Soccer Board of Directors uh, and their complete bungling of uh, the U.S. Women's National Team case. Um, Brian, first uh, to you, uh, what uh, you know? What are you, your observations of of what you've seen over the last few weeks? From a governance standpoint, um, you know, was this surprising to you how this situation's been handled, and 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 what were your thoughts as you saw this kind of play out? I think kind of cutting to the core of the issue is that right now, unfortunately, U.S. Soccer Federation is kind of visionless, and they don't have a visionary leader at the helm, and that's a big problem. We, we see that there's not unity within U.S. soccer. There's division with U.S. soccer. Uh, clearly, the evidence of this is just the, the overwhelming number of lawsuits. And then on top of that, the way that U.S. Soccer Federation is handling the lawsuits in an absolutely disastrous fashion. What we need right now is a leader that has a vision that says that they are uh, restlessly disconnected uh, with the status quo. They are they, they think that the status quo is not good. They need a vision of a better state and they need to have a reasonable path that they lay out for U.S. soccer public for that better state and how do we get there? So those are some of the really big things that are, that are happening right now. The board, uh, frankly, 
is a mess. The perception right now is that they're asleep at the wheel. Um, there are a lot of reforms. It's not just one singular issue. Obviously, the way that they handled the gender discrimination lawsuit was horrific, but this goes a lot deeper. Um, we do not have unity. We do not feel like we are connected to U.S. soccer. We do not feel like we are striving to attain a common goal. Um, U.S. soccer, to put it, uh, they're broken right now. And we have to make a lot of steps to restore trust, to set out a vision for that better state, and then set a reasonable pathway to achieve that vision. Uh, so we're a long ways away from where we need to be. I, I agree. And Nick, uh, your observations uh, with the current situation uh, of the last you know, say week and a half, uh, what, have, what have you seen and heard um, in terms of conversations with others and your observations of, of what has taken place here with what, what I view as just a complete and utter bungling of, uh, of the case, the arguments, and the, and the entire situation in and of itself? Well, unfortunately, Daniel, bungling is a theme when it comes to leadership uh, in America at the moment from uh, from top to bottom. But to Brian's point, a, a lack of leadership is perhaps the most glaring thing that stands out to me. Um, you know, Carlos Guerrero really did not bring the kind of charisma, the character, the passion, the drive that's needed to turn around this huge hulking ship known as the U.S. soccer Titanic. I mean, currently right now, there's definitely been a uh, iceberg or two that's hit it below the watermark and, and the thing is sinking. And, you know, we're, we're, we're really in trouble. It took us a year to find a national team coach for the men. It's taken God knows how long to get a decent CEO in place. Uh, the president has been in power for two years and had to resign in utter disgrace. I mean, uh, just how low can U.S. soccer go? That's that's the question that uh, I'm tempted to ask. I mean, it's no wonder that the state associations uh, are struggling because there is an alphabet soup of leagues and organizations and everybody's looking towards the Federation for Leadership, they're not supplying it. So everybody's doing their own thing. And when you have everybody doing their own thing, you have a real hodgepodge of a sport. And unfortunately, it's going to set the U.S. back another five to ten years. You know, we can, we can forget about 2022 and making a splash on the international stage. I think uh, personally we'll be lucky to qualify. And then 2026, at least we do get a, a free berth. But, uh, you know, I could quite easily see us going the way of South Africa and not making it out of the group stages. And I know that's a dire prediction, but it takes a long time to change things around. And unfortunately, the people we have in place right now seem incapable of doing that. I, I agree. And, you know, when when you look at, uh, you know, the different uh, aspects of this entire situation, um, it is it is a situation for me looking at it where it just it goes beyond one person. Uh, I've been talking about this a lot on uh, the show in the mornings, uh, 
about you know the fact that this goes to a leadership situation that that permeates the, the entire uh, board of directors and and when you have um, you know this continue to play out it, it it points to a situation for me that I see um, that it is it is systemic it is it goes beyond a person which is why when I look at uh, the situation um, you know regarding um, Carlos Cordero stepping down versus um, you know Carlos Cordero uh, still being on the board, uh, Cindy Parlo Cone shifting into a position uh, on the board as president. We're just shuffling chairs. We're not necessarily uh, bringing anyone in uh, or changing anything from a system standpoint. Um, I, I'm just I'm not seeing enough. Uh, things really kind of play out in a way that, uh, you know, makes sense to, to the fact of changing the culture or changing the system. Um, I, I want to bring in Chris Kessel. I think we've got him on board. Uh, Chris, uh, welcome in to uh, the panel here on SoccerWorks TV. Um, and, and just wanted to kind of get your thoughts as we're talking about the board of directors and their handling or mishandling of this case. What have you seen from a leadership and a culture standpoint? Well, it's unfortunate that uh, things have played out the way that they are because this was a, a real chance for the Federation to show leadership and change the direction of the game in this country. But by fighting against its own national team, by not stepping up and saying, hey, we made a mistake in the past and, you know, the way that we handled, you know, pay and all of these different things and bonuses, mainly bonuses, you know, it, it was inequitable. And we are going to try to fix this and make a good faith effort to actually fix it. You know, it could have been a massive change. Carlos had the ability to make this massive change, you know, in the culture around the game in this country and to show true leadership. And he didn't, and the board hasn't, and it's very unfortunate. And it's not just that it's, you know, all of the different things that have happened recently, you know, whether it's the court of arbitration, of sport case, whether it's the, um, the, uh, the lawsuit with the foundation and it's the direction at, that, the board took, I mean, the, the way the board handled training compensation and solidarity payments. I mean, they had an opportunity on all of these fronts to take leadership, show leadership, and to, to really make a change in how the game is governed in this nation. And they haven't. It's, it's been more of the same. It's very unfortunate. And I think it's a giant missed opportunity. It, it's so far, it's been a giant missed opportunity. I agree. And, uh, you know, whenever, you know, you, you see these things play out, the, the pressure from the media is ultimately why we've seen changes occur. But what, we, what we've not seen um, in the past has been media scrutiny and deep coverage on, you know, the way the Federation works. It it seems like the media treats the sport the same the same way the federation treats the sport, almost like it's a you know backyard neighborhood club 
uh, not a serious endeavor. And yet we're talking about a national governing body and and not just a national governing body, but the, the, the national governing body of of the greatest women's team in the world, the U.S. women's national team. And to me, this is a fight they've picked uh, with this this uh, group of ladies that they're not going to win. I mean, just plain and simple, they're not going to win. And, um, you know, when... Um, and, and the things that are going on, um, I, I just don't see us um, getting an easy way out uh, with with the way that things are going because to me this goes back to a culture thing uh, and, and and a governance issue. Um, Brian, you've talked about this. I I, I met you during the 2018 uh, election uh, for president, where uh, unfortunately Carlos Cordero was elected, and um, and at the time I, w- I was working with Eric and others uh, on, on that campaign and, um, and, and met you in the course of the, of those travels. And you were doing a lot of talking then, and you've continued to do a lot of talking about governance and transparency, uh, and, and the need for those things to, to, to happen and to get cleaned up. And I just wanted to, to kind of get your thoughts on the, the operational aspects here of the way the board is run. Um, compared to what what you would consider to be, or what I think should be, uh, a form of of good governance, transparency, accountability, yeah. etc. Uh, what have you observed with with the way that things are are being done uh, at a board level with U.S. Soccer? Well, you hit on it when you said governance, and really. Um, the way that U.S. soccer should be run, in my opinion, is much more like a governing body with all of the transparency requirements that state, local, federal governments have. Um, everything should be transparent. Everything should be disclosed. Um, there, it, it, I'm from Illinois. We have a history of corruption in the state of Illinois. And so one of the things that I did in, in my professional capacity was to develop a transparency list for local governments in the state of Illinois to adopt and implement in order to try to preventively uh, stop corruption from happening in the first place and to allow better decisions to be made uh, for local governments. So people know where the money is being spent, how they make the decisions, who they have contracts with, what are the processes in which they let contracts. Uh, So, I think that we need to be doing the same things at U.S. soccer. We need to have every single dime online in real time. Um, one of the biggest areas, I think the number one area of concern has to be the contract between U.S. soccer and Soccer United Marketing. There is zero transparency over that contract and also the way that the contract is rebid out. Um, it, it isn't rebid out. So essentially, for I think it's 14 or 15 years now, Soccer United Marketing has had a free reign over the most important and most valuable portion of U.S. soccer's portfolio. That's the TV contract and the vast majority of sponsorships other than Nike. And so they have a a set payment that they give to U.S. soccer every year, which is great. 
but is it a market value? Is it what we should be getting for those deals? We have no way of knowing without bidding it out. And we have no way of knowing like how much revenue is Soccer United Marketing making from this deal if U.S. Soccer isn't being transparent about it. Um, I've asked U.S. Soccer directly if they're willing to share that information and not. They, they, they treat it as a private contract. But this is a public organization, and it's the governing body for all of soccer in America. So we need to have higher standards. Um, and, and this also goes to, um, you know, things like the lawsuits. You know, what is our position on these issues? What is our point of view? Um, no one heard about the most recent filing until it happened. Not even apparently the board members of the organization that is supposed to be running soccer in the United States of America. There's highly objectionable things that are happening, happening in these lawsuits. Um, a lot of these lawsuits, in my opinion, uh, should never been lawsuits to begin with. These are things that should be settled. When it comes to things like equal pay, it's the mission of the organization should be the most important thing. Yes, in the past, the men have raised more money for U.S. soccer than the women in certain areas, in, in tickets sold and things like that. That seems to be changing now. The women are becoming more popular. But when it comes to how you decide to compensate people, you should compensate people according to the values in your mission. We can't necessarily control what FIFA does with their prize money. So we should put that aside and say, let's just treat men and women equally in the U.S. soccer because we believe that's for the, the best interest of the game in the United States. So uh, those are some of the really big issues that are facing U.S. soccer right now in regards to governance and transparency. Um, and, and there's a whole host of other issues you talked about solidarity payments, training compensation, uh, having an open system is, is another huge one. We're one of the only countries in the world that doesn't have an open system. And, and U.S. soccer, for, you know, they say they don't want to infringe on what Major League Soccer is doing. Fine. But at least what about the rest of us? What about the rest of the country? Um, there are so many issues with U.S. soccer right now. Uh, what we really need, we might have an opportunity at this next year, is to have a visionary leader who sets. Out, I think. Oh. Lost you for a second, Brian. Apparent uh, that we need more leadership inside and outside of the organization. Uh, if I if I got your last point there correct, you cut out for just a moment, but uh, you're talking about the, the need for uh, better leadership and new leadership inside and outside the federation. Uh, if if I if I heard that last point correct, um, Nick, a, as you look at this Soccer United Media, uh, excuse me, Soccer United Marketing Media deal, uh, commercial rights deal with the federation, um, this is this is a deal that's been. Uh, basically in place and in force uh, since around 2002. Um, there were rumors swirling at the U.S. Soccer AGM that Carlos was considering, um, you know, a divorce of the Federation's properties uh, from Major League Soccer, especially in, in the realm of the TV uh, bundle deal, uh, their last deal that they negotiated. Um, now he, he's no longer president, uh, but this Soccer United marketing deal is set to uh, go up for either renewal or co competition for renewal. 
in 2022. Uh, what are your thoughts on how this deal needs to be handled in terms of a bidding process and, and getting uh, value for money for the Federation? Well, I think it needs to be a lot more transparent. I mean, cast your minds back to the last round of World Cup bidding. Um, FIFA incredibly gave Fox the 2026 uh, broadcast rights, English broadcast rights here in the United States. No bidding, uh, which has never, ever been done before. Now, lots of rumors floating around, and one of it was that Fox was going to take FIFA to the cleaners uh, with a lawsuit because of the fact that the FIFA World Cup in 2022 in Qatar has completely messed up the footballing calendar. Um, obviously, you know, some uh, MLS and the Federation, uh, you know, to, be, to begin with, I think in the, in the early 2000s, you know, they, they needed to be in bed together because the MLS was really struggling and needed money desperately. Uh, the national team was doing quite well, especially in World Cups, qualifying for World Cups, making decent runs. I mean, the quarterfinals in uh, 2002 in Japan and South Korea. But now it's a different landscape. And unfortunately, Sam and the Federation and the MLS have not caught up with the landscape. Um, they're still thoroughly entwined with each other. And I don't think that it gives the soccer public uh, the best taste in the mouth, to be honest with you. For, the, for those of us that care and, and really take a, a deep dive into the governance of what's happening, uh, the conflict of interests for all three organizations, I mean, if you, if, you took it to a, if you took it to a court, I think there'd be a, a lot of embarrassing tales to be told. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if Carlos Cadero, you know, we know he fell on his sword because of the lawsuit with the women's team and the, and the language that was involved. But, I mean, if you're hearing, if you're hearing things that I'm not hearing, uh, that Carlos was perhaps presiding over a divorce between some, the Federation and MLS, well, I'm not surprised he's gone. I mean, uh, you know, the conspiracy theories are ripe, but, I mean... Uh, uh, you know, I, I mean, I can't go where I think I want to go because uh, I'd probably end up in court as well. But yeah, I think we're we're due for a, a a divorce. We need a divorce between these three entities. But to be honest with you, I don't see it happening, and, and especially with uh, with Fox involved in the 2026 World Cup uh, with with the broadcast rights, and you know that's a deal that's tied up with some MLS and the national team as well. I mean. The whole the whole deal is is predicated on Fox having the broadcast rights for the national team. So um, yeah, I, I would love to know some more information about that. If anybody has it, you know where to find me. Looking at uh, you know the the um, the aspect of. Um, the sum deal. <laughs> I feel like I'm sorry. I just I I feel like you guys remember the uh, uh, comedy uh, break here for a moment. You remember that that famous meme where where the guy's trying to do uh, some kind of you know interview and his daughter comes bustling in the in the office. 
Do you remember that? Love it. Oh, I remember it. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. feel like that just happened. All right, so um, but to the Soccer United marketing deal uh, and, and the bundling of the rights, um, you know, the main thing for me at looking ahead uh, to 2022 and looking at uh, Cindy Parlocone, who is who is now basically going to She's going to be president for what would have been the third year of Carlos Cordero's uh, first term um, is looking at the bidding process. To me, this goes back to process, not outcomes. Outcomes are determined by processes. And in this case, I just think we've got to, as, as a country, um, and, I, and I think this starts with the membership. I mean, you know, Chris, you with West Virginia, um, you know, Nick, you guys out in Cal South um, and, and others uh, in terms of ensuring policies and bylaws are, are requiring this board to not just run away uh, rogue and do whatever they want. The processes need to change. And Chris, uh, you guys at West Virginia were, were a part of trying to change some of the processes uh, by having um, uh, this policy for equal voting between men's and women's professional leagues at each divisional level. Um, and, and so I just want to kind of get your thoughts going through that process and looking at you know, this board looking at a soccer United marketing deal that's coming up in the future. Uh, how important is it that we get this governance fix and requiring uh, situations like a soccer United marketing deal in 2022 to go up for bid? In my opinion, this year is probably going to be the most important year in recent memory when it comes to governance. And the, this is, <clears throat> We have the ability to change how everything's going to work going forward. You know, the, the member organizations, the state associations, you know, they can now, they should now be paying more attention to how things work and what they're able to change going forward. And uh, I think that a procurement policy similar to what Illinois adult tried to get through this past year is absolutely necessary to safeguard that the Federation is, you know, doing right by its members because they deserve the Federation trying to maximize revenues from its most important properties, which are the United States men's and women's national teams. And, you know, if we can't be guaranteed as members that they're going to handle those things correctly, which so far we can't be guaranteed that, then we have to take it upon ourselves to guarantee that they do it for us. So, you know, I think that a procurement policy is, has to be up for a vote and it has to pass this coming year, along with other, you know, policies and bylaw changes, you know, from going through that process this year, you know, we learned a whole lot. And I know that the other states that, you know, for, attempted to do it for the first time this past year, they learned a whole lot. You know, I know that the people that tried to make changes from the floor, they learned a whole lot. There was a whole lot of institutional knowledge gained at the past year's AGM. 
just like there was a whole lot of institutional knowledge gained by members about how, you know, these big elections work during the presidential campaign, you know, two years ago, which before that there hadn't been a, you know, a truly contested election in a while. And people weren't absolutely sure how voting worked. And all of these things are now out in the open and people are really learning the processes behind all this. And now they have the knowledge and the wherewithal to, to go forward with attempting to make all these changes. And hopefully, you know, the member organizations will go forward and try to change things for the good. And can right now there is, you know, a really big opportunity and the, the soccer United marketing deal coming up in 2022, this is the year where the change has to be made because if the change isn't made till 2022 to how the policies and bylaws work concerning, you know, big contracts like this and a bunch of other different things, there, there won't be the ability to actually make the change in the bidding process until the next, you know, the next time. And that might be too far into the future to really have, you know, positive effect, you know, in a, a reasonable amount of time. It might be 10 years before we're able to really, really make change if we can't get it to happen this year. So this is the year that state associations and people that really care about the game and really care about making sure that we are managing the game correctly, you know, nationally need to get this stuff to happen. I agree. And, you know, when I when I look at um, the Federation and the policies, the bylaws that are in place and look at, um, you know, the what, what should be this national governing body, this federation that is, you know, overseeing how we do the game, how we how we run the sport, um, you know, Nick, you mentioned uh, the alphabet soup of you know, all of the different sanctioning organizations and programming that takes place. Um, it, it's really, uh, in a lot of ways, kind of a wild west. And and U.S. soccer, rather than trying to step in to clean up things, have actually mucked things up uh, with their own programming. Uh, and, and then at the same time, never addressing what is, to me, the most important thing to address. And that is how we do what we do. How do we make the sauce? And in this case of making the sauce, um, you know, I'm looking at the policies, I'm looking at the bylaws and looking at the procedures. And when I read comments from Cindy Parlocone, the new president of U.S. Soccer, surrounding a, a review, and as Meg Linehan pointed out, this review uh, is, is, is pertaining specifically to how this language ended up in 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 that legal brief, not an actual review of how the board works and how these processes happen in the first place. I I, I am a little um, I I guess I would say disappointed. You know, you've been granted um, to me a lot of wind at your back if you're Cindy Parlo Cone, and in terms of you're the you're the first um, female. Um, to to lead this federation, 
Uh, there's a lot of people rooting for her. Uh, I think right now uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, if she came out with a bold agenda to say, hey, we're going to clean these things up and we're going to do a full review of bylaws and policies. Um, I think there would be a lot of people that would go, yeah, like, okay, this is what leadership looks like. And instead, you know, there's been no media availability. There's been, uh, you know, little difference in the culture, the secrecy, the lack of transparency from this board, um, from Carlos to Cindy in the, in, in, you know, from, from my standpoint, looking at this, um, I'm quite disappointed in, in how this is, has shaped up, um, so far. Um, Brian, looking at the, the landscape of American soccer, um, and we're a big country, there's a lot of things going on and our policies and bylaws are, in my view, a mess. What are, what are some of the most important things that need to get addressed, uh, immediately to start cleaning up, uh, the mess that U S soccer has made for themselves over the years? (laughs) Well, number one, we have to figure out who's really in charge here because it seems like the organization has been rudderless from for some time, making wrong decisions, making horrible decisions. Uh, that to me is is a huge part of the problem. Um, I find it very curious that that some of these things, these decisions that are being made by soccer, um, are happening. It seems without the input or the consent of the board. I'll, I'll move to a, a kind of a separate issue: uh, the U.S. Open Cup, which is the only open competition in the United States. Uh, right now, um, just this past year, they signed a TV deal with ESPN uh, to have their um, th- their games on ESPN Plus. Uh, but it was kind of a mystery as to how this decision was made. It doesn't appear, looking at the minutes, that any board uh, member voted on this deal. And it appears that the, the, the deal was just handed over to Soccer United Marketing, who made the deal with ESPN. This is yet again another huge example of what's going wrong. But, but getting to what can we do right? What are some of the big policies that we need to change? Um, I think that we need to be looking at the rest of the world. We don't have to recreate the wheel. We already know uh, some of the big problems in the United States. I think the biggest problem is, is that there isn't a sense of connection. Um, recently, uh, Bob Bradley, the former national team coach, said some really good things that you know, agreed with issues that I agree with on solidarity and training compensation and promotion and relegation. But the way that he said it, I thought was was really important and really informative. On solidarity and training compensation, he said, we need to take the handbrakes off. I think we need to go for it. But then he said, and now the big part is that we need to do it in a way that we make everyone feel more a part of something. And to me, that is really the, the huge missing ingredient with U.S. soccer. We are not connected as a nation. We are not one nation, one team. Uh, we are separate. We're divided. We're suing everyone, and it's a horrible problem. And then he kind of hit on this again when he was talking about promotion and relegation and having an open system. He said, we need eventually need to have a system of promotion and regulation relegation. Um, but right now, there's a feeling by too many in our nation that they're not a part of the game in this country. And we have to work harder to change that. We have to do it by giving more 
opportunities. If a small club anywhere in this country gets its act together, knows how to provide playing opportunities, that they should be able to move from the fifth league to the fourth league to the third league to the second. Uh, uh, people need to have a dream. We don't have policies and procedures in U.S. soccer that allows all of the nation to dream. We need to make a connection to all of the communities across the United States. And so those are the types of policies, things that would allow that are the type of policies that U.S. soccer needs to implement in order to go to a different chapter, move on from this dark period of our history where there's corruption and um, embarrassment to something where we can have a unifying mission, a unifying vision, and move forward as a nation where where everyone feels like they're a part of something. And if, if they are the best, they can rise to the top. That is That is, to me, the biggest issue that we need to address in U.S. soccer right now. Looking at uh, where we are and listening to you right there, I was making some notes and uh, in, in some, 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 some things stood out to me that uh, I really want to kind of zero in on with, with Nick and then with Chris, uh, and that's this. Policies and bylaws that unite us, policies and bylaws that provide opportunity, and policies and bylaws that provide accountability and oversight. Um, Nick, uh, you first. Uh, how important is it for uh, U.S. soccer to uh, to basically, you know, bring in or or the membership of of the federation to implement policies that connect us and unify us, that provide opportunity and access, and, and bylaws and policies that provide accountability and oversight. Well, unfortunately, I'm not a bylaws or policy uh, wonk, uh, but it's really simple. You know, if you want to play in the U.S. Open Cup, you should be able to play in the U.S. Open Cup. The Federation should set up uh, regional tournaments that are open to everybody, not just the, the chosen few. Um, and and unless, unless they do start working for us, i.e. The, the, the people, you know, I, I don't see how the, the sport can truly grow into the global phenomenon it is throughout the rest of the world. I mean, the uh, you mentioned the, the alphabet soup, and that to me sums up the, everything that's wrong with how the sport is set up in this country. I mean, it, it, listen, if, if you've got a field in L.A., you can set up a league. You can create your own league. Yeah, tell me how that's going to benefit anybody except the one person who's got access to the field. Um, I mean, I, I would love to see the state associations having more, more clout, but they're only going to do that if the federation backs them up. And unfortunately, the federation is not interested in so state associations. I think, in fact, the federation would love to see state associations just disappear um which is uh, which is a tragic thing because this country is so big the states state associations are the conduit 
to the Federation, but the Federation just doesn't care. So, you know, I, I'm sure Cindy is going to try and do her best. She seems like a very nice lady. I, I had the opportunity to meet her and hear her pitch at the, uh, the U.S. Soccer AGM, but I, I don't get a lot of uh, don't get a lot of passion from her. Um, I mean, maybe she was just being very political, but it seems to me that uh, you know, kind of cut from the same cloth as uh, Sunil and and Don, and pretty much the status quo. You know, I don't think she's going to be uh, ruffling any feathers, which uh, which is a shame because. Like you mentioned, Daniel, you know, she does have a, a remit to go in there and, and, and make some things happen, but I guess uh, it's not going to happen uh, on her watch, so we're going to have to wait for two years for the next uh, election, and who are we going to get then? I mean, uh, you know, Eric's when old is not going to do it. He's, he's full in managing. Uh, I don't know what your thoughts are on Carl Martino, not my, my, not my cup of tea. Um, and, you know, the, the, the way the governance and bylaws are set up anyway, you know, it's unfortunately, guys, it's never going to change. You know, while the Athletes Council has this disproportionate amount of power for, for members that basically take up 0.1% of the membership, you know, not, nothing's going to change. So really, we're still talking rubbish. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry to be the voice of doom and gloom. Uh, no, you're British. Um, so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Chris, um, to, to, wanted to get with you. Policies, bylaws that can connect and unify, provide opportunity and access, as well as accountability and oversight. I uh, wanted to kind of get some of your thoughts on what we could do, what we need to do to be able to to see, you know, things change and what kind of policies need to go in to see those those things change including as nick was just alluding to here um the the whole aspect of the way that the the, the federation is set up in the first place is a problem and uh and so some of these bylaws and policies need to go to addressing that uh, what are your thoughts so you know there, that, that's a really broad subject, actually. But something that could happen is a change in the literal makeup of the board. Adding one more athlete would allow four more um, at-large people that would be voted on by the membership to enter the board and to go from 15 to 20 you know, would then radically change, you know, the politics of the situation. I mean, for lack of a better term, because currently, you know, the membership only has the ability to place the president and the vice president on the board. And, you know, two out of 15 is not a very powerful position, but six out of 15 or six out of 20 is a, a much more powerful position. I mean, then you're 30% right there. And then if you can get the athletes on board, you're at half and you only need one more vote to, to pass things. And it would just radically change how things were able to be, you know, pushed forward. And, the you know, you couldn't have a certain block of voters able to kill anything that they wanted right off the bat, you know, 
And, you know, so that's like a big picture item. But, you know, just I don't the, the things that are happening right now with the uh, the coronavirus and, you know, unemployment is going to be through the roof here. And, you know, how long of a break are we going to be on youth soccer and amateur adult soccer potentially could be radically different this fall, next spring, 18 months from now. And, you know, for the Federation to look at this and say, oh, things are just going to go forward exactly like they have been and, you know, nothing's going to change. And, you know, pair that with the fact that the Federation looks like a bunch of misogynist, you know, just for lack of a better term, assholes when it comes to the women's national team. You know, are parents going to really want to continue to put their young girls into soccer? Are they going to say this just is an expense that we can handle anymore and go to local sports, you know, sports that are done locally, like, you know, basketball or whatever other sport, you know, people would choose in their community? Or would they just revert back to only playing local soccer? You know, people call it rec soccer or whatever it's called there. Things are going to be different when it comes to the youth game. How many of these lower division adult clubs are not going to be able to handle six, you know, four or five months off of no revenue, a shortened season, only playing seven, eight, nine home games, whatever? The game really could be radically different in a bad way if the federation is not very, very proactive with making sure that it looks different on the other side of everything that's happening right now. And I mean, that's, that's my personal opinion right there. And I think that if you aren't thinking, if these board members aren't thinking really big picture of how can we engage this entire country into becoming a soccer country on the other side of this, you know, we could be in for bad, bad news. We could see, you know, we've already seen what did the Aspen thing say? 475,000 less youth soccer players than the last survey that they did. You know, if we see another half a million gone next year or a million gone next year, you know, what does that do to this game in this country? It, it's, it's, it could be devastating long term. And whatever is decided, I mean, I think that the way to engage the, the entire country is obviously having an open pyramid for both the men and the women. And then that engages every community in this country to go and find all the kids and rebuild your club in your community and, and find investment and invest in it yourself with, you know, just people hours and volunteerism and, and all of these things that it's going to take to rebuild this. And I think that that's the number one way forward. But if, if they don't do that and they don't do anything else and they just act like everything's going to be exactly the same, you know, we're going to see what bad leadership gets us. You know, bad leadership currently because, you know, the cable market and how much money has been, you know, dumped into professional sports and, you know, national teams and international competitions from ESPN and Fox and all the broadcasters worldwide. We've ridden that wave. You know, and we have seen growth in revenue and growth in the game and all this stuff. It was not 
by anything that the Federation did. And, you know, we've benefited from that. You know, if they're not careful, that wave might be over. And that's what bad leadership will get us. Bad leadership made it so that we're already not bigger than the NHL and Major League Baseball. Bad leadership got us there, you know, not growing as fast as we should have. Bad leadership now in a time of turmoil could devastate the game and crush us. And they really, honestly, every board member, because I want to I say something, like you see it, people say this all the time. They're like, well, you know, I personally got a lot of this feedback. You're from a state association, you know, it's youth soccer, it's amateur adult soccer. Like what gives you the right to say how the professional teams and the professional leagues, you know, take care of, of the game, you know, the professional game. I'm a member, you know, West Virginia soccer is a member of the national council. It is our job. We are the stewards of the game in all of its forms. It is up to us to make sure that the game moves forward the way it is. I was not a bylaw and policy wonk several years ago, five years ago. Trust me, I had no idea. And I figured that to be able to help it, help the game grow the, in, in the direction that I wanted to see it grow, I had to become one. Like literally, I just wanted to coach, but now here we are, you know, leading attempts to make these massive changes. And everybody else out there that is involved with governance of this game, you know, we all have to figure out how to do this and how to, to work the system so that we can change the system. And whether it's big, bold changes, you know, that are going to be really hard to do or states doing everything that they can at their level that like those are hard to do too like you know every board that you're on it's hard to do things it's hard people don't want to change and especially when we get to this US soccer board level where millions and millions of dollars are involved people definitely don't want to change they don't want to give up their power they don't want to have competition for that money you know but we have to keep fighting and keep trying to change. And right now, I said this about the way that this contract's coming up. It's a giant opportunity. And during this, you know, time of turmoil nationally, you know, this is an opportunity for us to, to change the game, to help rebuild communities. I know that people are going to say, oh, it's just soccer, it's whatever. But sports are an integral part of communities all across this country. High school sports, you know, middle school sports, club sports, professional sports in bigger cities, you know, college sports. Soccer can be an avenue to help rebuild this country, you know, because unemployment is going to be 25% in a month. So this is a chance for the, the United States Soccer Federation to do the right thing and really help the country, you know, rebound and communities to rebuild and to take pride in themselves and to show what they're built, you know, what they're made of. And hopefully leadership listens to this call and sees this turmoil as opportunity and we go forward. Looking at uh, 
you know, where, you know, where we are as a country uh, and in terms of, um, you know, the number of youth kids that are playing soccer. Uh, th- there are more kids, registered kids, playing soccer than, than any other sport in this country. And, and yet it is, it is a sport that is, you know, below in terms of, of the top leagues, um, the, it is below the NFL. It is below the NBA. It's below Major League Baseball. It's below the NHL. Um, and so, you know, to your point, Chris, looking at, uh, you know, the fact that the Federation has really, over over the last, you know, decade or so, ha- have really especially, um, you know, failed in, in terms of leadership and really building the sport uh, you know, it frustrates me when I hear Sunil Gulati pat himself on the back, you know, about all of this that we, we just, he said this at the AGM, I think in the, in the board meeting and Chris, you were there. Um, and he, and he said something uh, along the lines of, we just need to take a minute and just celebrate the fact that major league soccer is going into their 25th year. Like we're, man, we, we've, we're doing amazing. Like, People want to say we're not doing enough and we're not there, whatever. And but I mean, look at what we've done. And it, it was just like, are you serious? You have a league that has on, you know, essentially federation subsidies since two thousand two. It is. It has been a league that has been given every preferential treatment, and it still can't figure out how to connect to the audience. It still can't figure out how to get TV viewers and numbers to grow exponentially. It still can't figure out how to be a league of choice and, and a, a league of quality. Um, and, and so when I'm, I'm looking at the Federation and I'm looking and listening at the AGM to comments uh, from Don Garber and from Sunil Gotti and, and, and others, it's, it's just, you know, it, it really bothers me because I, I'm one of those people where it's like, okay, yeah, I know you did this. I know this is here, but what, what could we do and where could we have gone? You know, always looking to push the boundaries, always looking to grow. And, you know, with everything going on in the world right now and everything going on uh, in America right now in relation to this coronavirus uh, situation, you've got leagues on hold. Uh, looks like May it's going to be, you know, the earliest that these leagues restart. So we're looking at another seven or eight weeks um, before leagues come back. And, and you know, you, you mentioned uh, the, the ramifications on, on the youth space. Um, I look at this federation and, and we're, again, we're at a time of change here. It's, a, it's been a week since Carlos Cordero resigned. And we now have a new president, our first female president ever. And, and I'm looking at what, what the U.S. government is trying to figure out in terms of the economy of how do we rebound once this is over and how do we get through it right now? And they're talking stimulus and all this stuff in D.C. And I'm looking at, at, the, at a country from a soccer perspective where, you know, we need policies and bylaws and initiatives and campaigns that uh, act like a stimulus package for for all levels of the federation, professional, uh, adult amateur, youth, 
Um, I, I think it's time for the Federation to go all in on really, really growing the game uh, and, and really building it beyond where it is. Uh, it, it, it means cleaning up chaos. It means having some tough conversations. It means, uh, you know, changing rules, changing bylaws and policies. But uh, to me, this is, this is a moment of opportunity and, uh, and, and, and I want to see a federation that is willing to be bold and brave and actually lead and do something instead of, you know, try to find a scapegoat like they did with Carlos Cordero and say, I didn't know anything about it. And then when you question, try to question them on that, there's, there's radio silence and no media availability to find out what they knew and when they knew it, um, which is just simply not good enough. So, um, you know, I, I'm looking at where we are as a country, realizing where we could be and where I think we should be, which is striving to become the greatest soccer country on earth. We have all the resources in the world to get there, but we don't have the leadership to get us there. And that's the one critical piece that we are lacking and, in, 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 you know, needs to change for sure. Um, as, as we kind of come to a close tonight, I, I wanted to just kind of get each of your uh, final thoughts here on um, you know what what you see uh, in terms of some immediate things that need to happen to improve soccer it could be you could have an idea uh, about you know the governance and, and the policies it could be an idea about you know uh, boards and and transparency it could be an initiative on uh, like we we had on the, the radio show today with with James Brown and the kick walls and and just building a ton of kick walls in the country. Uh, but I just wanted to kind of get some of a, a thought from each of you as we uh, get ready to wrap up our first uh, Soccer Works TV live special and just, you know, see what, what you thought as some ideas on how to improve uh, the soccer culture and landscape here in this country. I'm going to start with you, Brian. Sure. Well, first and foremost, I think standing still is a losing proposition. We cannot be satisfied with the status quo in U.S. soccer. We need to think big. Uh, a couple of policies that I would recommend. I think you know, if you look at the women's game, uh, there's probably some things that are going to come. I think that they should try to settle the lawsuit as soon as possible. Um, I think that Chris's proposal to uh, balance men's and women's uh, um, stature on the professional council and the voting power is huge. Just think about it from an economic perspective, what that's going to do. Currently, the women only have 5% of the voting rights on, on that council. Uh, they would have 50%. Um, and what that would do is it would incentivize uh people to invest in women's professional soccer. And isn't that part of what the mission of what we want from U.S. soccer? We want to create an environment to uh, invest in women's soccer, grow the women's game, and grow the game overall. I think that would be fantastic. Another proposal that I think would be fantastic is that we need to have a task force set up. We need to have an open soccer tax force. We need to talk about creating and growing an open pyramid. Um, you know, I don't think that Major League Soccer and, and, and USL would, would be willing to go along with it, but we need to have a coalition of the willing for everyone else in this in this country that wants to have a system. And, and I think that for the next 25 years, U.S. soccer should be subsidizing only open soccer, no more su uh, subsidizing of a single entity. Uh, I think that has, has been the most disastrous and wrongheaded policy 
that U.S. soccer has ever made. So we need to get a coalition of the willing. All of the clubs from all across the country, all of the leagues from all across the country, all the state associations from all across the country, men and women, uh, we need to put our heads together, get together in a room with the sanctioning of U.S. soccer and say, let's figure this out. Let's do what almost every single other country in the world has done. Let's create an open pyramid. Let's give every community in the United States the opportunity to dream. Uh, we need to have a unified dream in the United States. And, and I think that that is, is, is a tremendously important thing that U.S. soccer should do. I'm not sure that they will do, but I think that we have to work together whether or not U.S. soccer wants to do that with their current leadership. Uh, the people that are listening to this, watching this right now, I hope that um, uh, people reach out to me, uh, reach out to the other members of this panel and, and start putting our heads together to uh, dreaming a better dream for U.S. soccer. I, I love your thoughts there, Brian, and uh, and I agree. I, I think this it needs it, it's time for the federation to invest uh, and make a priority. Every person in in every uh, you know loc location uh, in this country, Nick. Uh, to you, uh, what are some things or or a thing that you you think would be uh, a way that we could improve the game here in this country? Well, I believe that I should be the next president of U.S. soccer. I alone can fix it. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, seriously. I, I, you know, I, I've played the game at a high level. I've coached the game at a high level. I have been a broadcaster, so I know what goes on between broadcast companies and federations. And, uh, you know, the, the passion that I have game like you i want to make it the preeminent sport in the united states there's no reason why i can't do that and when you look at the uh you know last few presidents of the uh, u.s soccer organization carlos cordero i don't think he's a native born uh, american and neither was sunil so there's no reason why i couldn't do the job so um i would consolidate everything you know the states would answer to me and all these rogue organizations would have to step in line and that way we can really start building a proper foundation. Look, look at, look at it like this. Portugal is, is a, just a couple of uh, countries that come to mind. Portugal population, I think uh, something like 8 million Holland population, 13 million these are two teams that consistently are in the semifinals and finals of World Cups and European Championships and, and supplying the biggest teams in the world with players. We have 350 million people in this country and we can't be a pub team. There's something seriously wrong and it needs someone like me with my vision and drive to do something about it. Mic drop. Peace out. <laughs> I love it. Um, I, I'll uh, I'll I'll get uh, see if I can get in touch with Kyle Martino and see if he'll back your campaign. Uh, I, I'm sure he he shares <laughs> your thoughts uh, of of he alone are is the one that can fix it. Although uh, I saw him giving compliments to Cindy uh, Cohn the other day as she ascended to the presidency. So who knows? But uh, I, I love your I love your. Uh, 
your comments there. And but the truth is, we we do have a major lack of um, you know having um, leadership, the necessary leadership. Uh, at all levels um, to, to get this thing done. And we've got to get people moving in the right direction, moving together in the right direction. And, and we're not doing that at the moment. And, uh, and that to me is a key takeaway of some of the things you said, as well as the fact that it, this goes to, 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 to my point a, a moment ago about wanting more, wanting more from this country, your points about Portugal and the Netherlands, uh, and then looking at a, a country like ours uh, with the United States it is ridiculous that we don't own CONCACAF. It's ridiculous that we are not like competing at the Club World Cup. It's, it's ridiculous that at the World Cup every four years that the men's side isn't uh, competing for you know quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals every time. It, and that should be our standard. And without it and without making that our standard and priority, uh, to me, it's it's a major major issue, a major problem uh, in, in terms of you know where we are and, and and what we should strive to be. Chris, with you, I, I wanted to get your thoughts here on you know what what do you um, when you look at, at at the country and you look at U.S. soccer and and our potential, what are some ideas you have for for fixing things and making things better? If you love the game, be as involved in it as you can. You know, don't let anybody tell you that you're not able to be a leader because you are able to be a leader. Like the thing, one of the things that I've learned from talking to people from all over this country is, you know, it's the same story everywhere. The person that complains gets asked to do the job, you know, so complain, complain, have solutions, be ready to put in the work. We need more leaders at every level in this game all across the country, whether it is your local club, your state association, or the league that your club plays in, you know, youth, adult, it doesn't matter. We need more leaders, more people willing to step up and stand up and say, this isn't the way that it's supposed to be. This isn't the best that it can be. And we need people to go and do it. And if you're not involved with the game like that, go and volunteer to be involved with the game. Go and say, hey, you know, I'm willing to volunteer with my local adult league, my local adult association, and, and try to do things there. Or, you know, do things like we see people doing with kick walls, with futsal Fridays with all these different activities that people are doing where they're just saying, hey, my community needs more opportunity and access to the game, and they go and create it. I mean, it's, it's that simple. They go and create it. And it's once you get involved, once you start being a leader, then we can you can progress up the ladder, and eventually you know, we can have more people in decision-making positions so that when it is time for big structural change, I mean, it is time now, but when big structural change presents itself, we have people in place that are willing and able to go and be a part of that change and to really make it happen and to allow soccer to reach its full potential in this country, which I think is to be the biggest game that there is in the nation. 
I agree. I, I love it. I love all of your your thoughts. Uh, I think we we lost Nick here at the end, but uh, Brian, Chris, and to Nick uh, uh, as well. Thank you guys for for joining us on our uh, our first ever uh, SoccerWorks TV live special, and appreciate all of your thoughts and uh, and your time uh, with with uh, you know looking at where we are. And ultimately, what I say often, where we need to be, uh, it is it is something that uh, I, I don't think uh, enough in the media have talked about uh, until recently. And we're starting to see more and more calls and more and more scrutiny and more and more pressure and all of those things are great. But we're we're it's required. It's necessary for change. We saw this last week. Pressure. Is the is the main uh, way that U.S. soccer is going to behave? Unfortunately, they have not had positive proactive leadership. Instead, it's always been we're going to do what we want to do in secret, and then we're going to be reactionary with everything else, anything that that is questionable, anything that that may not be popular, whatever. We're we're just gonna we're gonna do it and hope everyone continues to ignore us. But if we get pressure, oh my gosh, now we got to react. Oh my gosh, now we got to do something. And, and and we saw that last week. Carlos Cordero, um, you know, probably didn't go into last week thinking he was going to be in the last hours and days of his of his reign as president of U.S. Soccer. But the but the facts are that as the public really began to figure out what was going on. And what the board knew about for a while, I mean, this idea that they didn't know, I mean, it, it had been talked about for a while. These depositions were done in December. I mean, the fact that they're acting like they had no clue is very, very concerning. And and we've, you know, just looking at where we are, I just, I just, I think we've got to, uh, you know, take steps to, to, uh, to fix these issues and make them better. And, uh, and we will continue to, to, to fight that fight each and every day on the, uh, the Daniel Wortman Show uh, weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can watch on BegaTV.com. You can also watch on DanielWorkman.com, Facebook.com, uh, Twitter, etc. And, uh, and, and watch specials like this. We're hoping to turn this uh, into a, a, a regular uh, TV uh, show. And, and we're, um, you know, making plans to do that and to continue to find ways to bring people together to look at the game and how we can make it better. And, uh, and so we look forward to doing that as well. Just like to thank everyone, uh, for tuning in, uh, for, for this first special, we, we apologize for any of the, uh, the, the technical glitches and difficulties as we're going through this, uh, this first special, but, um, you know, we will, we'll continue to, to build and, and uh and and plan for the future and hope to bring you more and more content uh just like this one but the key here is for me is looking at this federation looking at where we are looking at who we are and what we're what is possible i believe and and have believed for a very long time that that the united states of america could be and should be the greatest soccer country on earth 
And I, for one, am not going to stop until we can get there. So thanks for watching. We, uh, we appreciate it. We appreciate uh, all the views. Uh, and we look forward to uh, bringing you more specials like this in the very near future. Uh, thanks uh, again for watching tonight. And uh, we'll see everyone again in the morning uh, for the Daniel Wortman Show that kicks off at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's all for tonight. Goodbye. Guys, you there? Okay.